Hello, hello, my beautiful people. <laughs> it's your girl, the Damo, coming to you on the Mind Your Business podcast. And y'all know what I'm finna say. Where your mind is forever and should always be your business. Happy Friday, guys. Oh, my God, my God. We made it through a whole week, a whole week. And I'm actually sitting here recording another episode. Now, it might be last minute, so it's going to be super, super raw. And listen, I'm accepting that. A win is a win for me. The fact that it's being recorded and that it's going to be put out today after so long of being afraid and stuff like that. Ugh. It feels good. I say all that to say because I'm grateful at the numbers that y'all been running up. Um, wow. Wow. Um, shout out to everybody that's listening. Thank you for not hating me. (laughs) No, like, it's really good to see, like, how many people have been engaging with the podcast and listening to the first episode. Um, It's so great to see the engagement on social media, people reposting, liking, sharing, um, which is super important. In order to get the message out, I need you guys to like, share, uh, subscribe, connect, whatever. I need you to become a part of the community so we can build up the family. But I'm grateful for you guys that are here. Um, The the TikTok thing is crazy. Um, I'm consistently staying with the TikTok. Honestly and truly, that's what kind of started me wanting to get back into the um the game. Those kids are really doing it on like TikTok. They're like killing it. And it's not even just the kids too. There's some people that are really dedicated and it's like I just do not have the social media bandwidth for it. Like that's not um I'm trying. <laughs> it's so it's so much work and it's like, "Ooh, I feel like somebody's grandma trying to work these apps." Um, But you know what it is. Uh, We're checking in, seeing how everybody is doing today. How are y'all? Take a minute, pause the uh, podcast and take a minute to check in with yourself and figure out how you're feeling, how you're doing. Are you all right? Like, has this been a week for you? It's been a week for me. I'll tell you that. It's been a week for me. It's been a week. Um, It's been a week. It's been a week. And it's okay if it's been a week. You know? The thing is to acknowledge it. And that's why I'm saying take a second, pause the podcast. Don't pause it for too long. But check in with yourself. Like, I, I, I try to make sure in this new season of my life, right, that I focus on, like, how I feel in the moment and, and really de-stressing my own life. You know, because it's a daily task you have to do, but it's very possible even when you're really pressured and it's okay when you mess up. I tell myself all the time, it's all right when I mess up, but, um, anywho, it's, it's been a week. It's been a week. I'm just going to check in for myself too. It's been a week. Um, work has been very, very challenging. Work has been challenging. And we're, I'm actually going to do an episode on on work, so listen for that. Um, 
to come soon within the coming weeks, honestly. But work has been challenging. And you guys, I work in high school, so it's really not, it's not the kids, you know what I'm saying? It's not the kids that really stress you. Even though the kids do stress me, it's not purely the kids that stress me. The adults do a great job of like making me scratch my head and question humanity a lot. Like, that's just me being really, really, really honest about it all. You know what I'm saying? Like, adults. But, you know, it's been a week. And I really had to, like, regulate my own emotions and and challenge myself to, um, like, be professional, but also be authentic. But don't project when you get home, like, like I've been having to really like check in with myself and make sure that I'm good. Um, but yeah, it's been a week. It's been a week. And I, today's topic, I stumbled upon it just like I needed to decompress. And, uh, I was watching videos on YouTube and specifically Ted talks. I love Ted talks. That's a, uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I love uh, TED Talks, guys, actual secret, I am a nerd. Um, I present as a cool kid. I was always a cool kid in high school. I was the jock, you know, but I am really a big nerd. I love education. I love school. Um, I love learning. I love psychology, obviously, mental health topics, uh, TED Talks, anything like listening to speeches. I love it. I love everything but math. Uh, (laughs) Math has been the treacherous uh, villain of my whole life. But yeah, and I was listening to all these like TED Talks and stuff like that. And I kept coming across a topic, um, imposter syndrome, a lot. Um, You know, and I was like, huh. I've heard it before, you know. The millennial in me has heard it thrown around several times and in pop culture. And, you know, I see people tweet about it. But I have never really, like, studied it. Or, like, figured out, like, what's imposter syndrome actually mean? Like, what does it mean? Like, I've never looked for the definition. And when I did, I said, oh, this is an episode. Not only is it an episode, I am an imposter. Like, am I an imposter? And y'all, I think I might be. But it's okay, because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. So, I want to talk about it. I want to get into it. Let's talk about imposter syndrome. Also known as imposter phenomena. Because y'all... I'm definitely an imposter. And I'm and I'm gonna talk about it with y'all. Where where's my intro music? business. 
Okay, okay, we're back, we're back, we're back. Um, can I just say this audio sounds really clear? Um, I'm actually recording from my computer, and I should do it more often because I get the whole this like pretty cool mic. Um, and I'm listening to the playback of myself, <laughs> uh, and I sound confident. Um, I found I sound real confident, and I like this. I like this, y'all. I'm sorry. Y'all only knew I'm cheesing from ear to ear. Uh, So let's get back into the topic. Imposter syndrome, a.k.a. imposter phenomenon. You know, what is it? What is it? So the definition is, as you know, I love a good definition. A psychological condition that is categorized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud despite evidence of one's ongoing success. So that was a lot. Thanks, Dictionary. This is how I view what imposter syndrome is. Imposter syndrome is me never being satisfied with the accomplishments that I have because I feel like I'm not good enough that I don't actually belong there. It's the luck of the draw that I got there. It's by chance. And one day, somebody's gonna find out that I'm a fraud and expose me for the fraud that I am. Y'all, this is one of the most irrational like thoughts that you can have, okay? I constantly feel like this. That's the crazy part. Like the anxiety of like being exposed for being a fraud or for not being authentic or for being lucky to be where I'm at um, instead of the fact that I earned it, that that I put in the work, that the, the compliments and the encouragement is there. I look at, I look at it as, there's no way that this can really be happening for me. That's what imposter syndrome is. It's a crazy ride. I can tell you that. It is constantly a roller coaster up and down, up and down of needing validation and begging for validation from others, but it's not even satisfying. It's not even satisfying. No matter how hard high you climb, You know, you feel like you do not deserve to be there. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. Have you ever felt like that? Has anybody else ever felt like that? I I know I deal with it in many aspects. I dealt with it when I ran track um, on the collegiate level. I felt it when I... um, got into the job that I'm at, um, the new position I'm in. And I felt it um, most recently with the podcast, most definitely. I can admit to that. Um, It just makes you feel unworthy. It's just you're constantly trying to prove that you are good, but you still don't believe it. Um. (laughs) <laughs> imposter uh and i say it like that just because you know 
I come from Jersey. We don't we don't say the full word, you know. We cut it off. So I'm an imposter. And I don't laugh because I'm like proud of it. But every time I think about it, it's like, girl, that's why you self-sabotage. That's why like you get in front of your own way. And it reminds me of, uh, I think I probably told this story before, that it reminds me of a conversation that I had with an old coach when I was at Kentucky and I ran, right? Um, so I was there. It was my fifth year. Um you know, I, I was I was a fifth year senior, roughly like twenty three, um, and Coach Allen Johnson, who was a esteemed, accredited Olympian, uh, great hurdler, um, was a coach there, and he pulled me aside and he said, "Dominique, can I ask you something?" I said, "What's up?" He's very quiet, very quiet demeanor of a man, you know. Uh, with these very big eyes, he looked at me and he said, um, are you scared of, uh, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? And I said, what do you mean? I'm not scared of nothing. You know, I'm getting all macho because I'm a Jersey girl. That's me. Like, I always have this hard exterior. Like, you know, huh, can't nothing shake me. Can't nothing unrock me. You know, like, I ain't scared. And he said, no, like, like, what are you really scared of? Like, you're not scared of failure, are you? And I was like, man, nah, man, I failed so many times. Like, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and he was like, no, are you scared of success? And I said, what? He said, why are you scared of success? And I thought about it. And I'm like, scared of success? I ain't scared of no success. Success don't scare me. Like, what? I'm trying to achieve it. What you mean, sir? Like, I want to be all these great things. He said, no, 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 no. You're scared of success. See, he told me that I was scared of success because every time I got close enough to being where I wanted to be or being where I was destined to be, I would step in front of my own way. I would self-sabotage myself. And I wouldn't allow myself to fully follow through with what, I was doing. I would procrastinate. I would find an excuse. Um, I don't know, self-injure. And when I say self-injure, I don't mean self-harm. I mean like trip myself or just not be paying attention and sprain an ankle or something like that. And I really don't remember the rest of the conversation with him. I probably got an attitude knowing me back then. But it that question haunts me constantly. And it doesn't haunt me like as if he did something wrong. It haunts me because he had a point. I've always had this like fear of every time success is on the horizon, I get choked up or I procrastinate or I wait to the like you know, I wait to the last minute or I put so much pressure on myself or I I I I um, start um, self-deprecating and I feel like I don't belong and all this stuff like that. And it's so I have an excuse. It's all I do so I can have an excuse and say, see, I was never meant to be successful. See, I told y'all I was here by accident. I'm not really good. I'm just, you know, a hard worker. I'm not talented. This is just by chance. 
You know what I'm saying? Which is really crazy because I always tell everybody that I don't believe in coincidences, right? But here I am trying to sabotage myself to, to, to prove that I only got where I am because of luck and discredit all the hard work that I put into life, right? So let me tell you how. That was track. That was track. Track was I put myself in situations where I um, knew were wrong, could hurt me, and um, distract me. And I took that distraction and instead of focusing on my craft because I felt like I didn't deserve to become a D1 athlete. I didn't deserve to go to college. I didn't deserve to, 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 to wear, uh, the honor. I mean, you know, wear the honor of a 60 meter specialist. I felt like I wasn't good at the 100. I wasn't good at the 200. That every time I won a race, it was by chance. By It was the luck of the draw. And I would get so emotional and cry and be like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like, I made it. But it was because I thought I got there by luck, not by the hard work that I put in. Which is ironic because in high school, anybody would tell you I was cocky. I was confident and I wasn't like the mean cocky, even though some would say I would mean mug them and whoa, I was a little intimidated looking, which is true, which is true. But in high school, when it came to track, nobody could outwork me. If you beat me, I was almost willing to fight you because there's no way. If you beat me, you had to PR if you were beating me. That had to be your best day in your whole track career if you beat me. Because I worked hard in high school and I knew that I was good. And I knew that track was for me. I put everything into track when I was in high school. I was so, going through so much internally that I couldn't express. I was so angry that I took track as my real life outlet, right? And I poured into it so much that I optimized my success and I became so successful, right? So in those interviews with people, when I was saying that I believe in myself and the impossible is impossible and, and how much of a warrior I am on the track and how I belong where I'm at, I believed that. That was embedded in me. Like, it was a beast in me. When I went to college, it felt like a lot of pressure and it felt like I do not belong here. I don't look like half of these people. There were other like girls who had like better bodies than me, the longer limbs and faster twitches. It didn't make sense why I was given the opportunity to be amongst them. Why was I given the opportunity to be there? So when I got to college, I became this mean-spirited person, right? I became vicious to myself and, and some of those around me because I felt like I was an imposter. I did not belong here. I did not belong here. I got so wrapped up in other things. And it took my career like in different directions. So much so, I got kicked off the team. 
I got kicked off the team for breaking a rule, and I'm not going to get into it, for breaking a rule, um, and then getting into an argument with the coach. And she kicked me off the team to kind of prove a point. And um, I had already had an infraction with the school, um, with a, a, a professor of mine um, who accused me of saying I was threatening to like burn the school down or something like that or whatever. So, and it wasn't true. It was me joking in poor taste and I was upset with her not giving my grade and she was taking too long. I was impatient. I was like giggling and laughing with my college advisor and the lady overheard and blew it out of a portion, but whatever. Like I'd already had that infraction. So like there were things going on behind the scenes at my university that I didn't know a lot about. And they were like, Hey, well, we already had a problem with her. We're just going to like, let her go. And they pushed my papers through. At least that was the story I was told. I mean, whatever, but I was kicked off the team and, you know, I had to go to another school. I wasn't going to go to another school because first of all, shout out to my UCF friends. They were like my friend, they were my friends for life embedded my sisters. Um, I did not want to run for another school. I did not want to run for another team because I've been so much for them. And they recognize my imposter syndrome. And that's why I feel like I'm so drawn and attached to them. And we've all like, we've grown together because they seem the woman that I was at 18 and how I walked into college. And then they see who I am now and they thank me I mean, not thank me, but they praise me so much. Like they show me so much love. They they encourage me because they see my growth. And shout out to all y'all. I love y'all. Those are my like sisters for real, like for real. And they would recognize it. And they would recognize it because imposter syndrome can also be very draining for those around you. You know what I'm saying? Like those who constantly have to feel like they validate you, they validate you, validate you, you know? It can become selfish. It can seem like they, they all you're self-consumed, right? That that you can't see anybody else but yourself. Like it will consume you. My best friend, shout out to her, Niasha. Whew. You know, that's my girl. Longest friendship I have. Like she as a best friend, she's the longest friendship I have, like deep, close, and whatever, like that. And I don't know how she's still my friend. And I took that pause. I was really trying to think. I don't know how she's still my friend. Like real life, she, she gave me a lot of validation, a lot of validation. Like I know I pulled heavy on her. I know I pulled heavy on her because when I, I was leaving, that was the hardest person to leave from. Like I was heavily connected with her. Still, still to this day, I I want us to get back to how connected that we were. And maybe that was just for a time, you know, but I know I drained her. She was an introvert and I'm an extrovert introvert, but she was like a real introvert. And I know I drained her sometimes. Like I would just unload on her, unload on her and needed so much validation that I wasn't a fraud and, and that I was supposed to be doing this and that and the third. And that she was also real with me and told me like, when I was doing stuff to myself and how that she wouldn't support that and stuff like that. I appreciate her for that. Shout out to you, Nunu. Because, but, but yeah, back to my point, like being an imposter, if you suffer from an imposter syndrome or, or, you know, 
yourself proclaimed to, you can drain on the people around you because again, you don't get the satisfaction from the compliments, right? It's like compliments or 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 encouragement is short-lived. Failure lingers forever. Oh, failure lingers forever. Accomplishments feel unearned and criticism hurts. Criticism hurts. When you're dealing with imposter syndrome, failure lingers hard. Please do not fail at something. It's going to stick to you like like a hemorrhoid. It just stays there. I'm sorry. It just stays there. It's irritating. You feel it. You want to not think about it, but it is constantly burning. I'm sorry. That might have been very explicit to you guys. I'm so sorry. It's like that pimple you just cannot pop. When failure lingers. Ooh, when failure lingers. I remember trans trans transitioning from um college track to professional. I remember the failures in my professional career and how it made me feel like I would not be great anymore. I remember coming out here and giving all my money um, to people and working hard and then being told I wasn't enough and it mainly being about the money and not my well-being. When I was already going through so much, that felt like a big failure. I'm just be honest. I'm going to just say it. Leave, leaving and having that fallout with autists felt like a failure in me. It felt like a failure in my judgment. It felt like a failure in my dream. It just felt like a failure. And again, it hit me like, see, Dom, you didn't deserve to even think that you should be doing pro track. Like, who are you? Who are you to feel like you <laughs> could be a professional athlete? But again, I tried, I tried, and I trained with Mo, who is a great coach. Maurice Green, shout out to him, Olympic legend. But even then, that wasn't enough. That didn't satisfy. No, not at all. Not at all. Because again, I told myself I did not belong. So what did I do? I distracted myself with something else. I became a coach out here and I quit. I quit. And I can talk about it now because my imposter syndrome is what caused me to leave track and field. I quit. Not because I didn't have the ability to run anymore, but I caused myself to have the ability not to run anymore. I told myself I could not be great anymore. I told myself that it was never in my favor. I sabotaged myself so much. So I can talk about it now because I've made my bed with it, right? It's something I've talked 
with my therapist about a long time ago. It's one of the things that I've really been able to be satisfied from. Like, you know, I thank Track for what it taught me, the friendships it's given me, the opportunity that it's opened up for me. And I'm good. I don't feel need to come out of retirement, right? Like, I don't. I'm grateful. I'm happy. I'm I moved on. I moved on. But I recognize now that, that there are a lot of that what I went through was was that. <laughs> and then the criticism that you can feel during imposter syndrome feels like you're being cut with a knife. It hurts more. Even though you know the person can be criticizing you and not trying to be malicious, oh, talk about feelings hurt, but hurt, okay? But hurt, okay? I experience that more now, right? So in my job, um, I started at a lower level. I started as an ISS coordinator. You know, I just, you know, was a classified staff. I was getting paid like $12 an hour. I think I made it up to like $14 an hour. Um, it was very low level, very much um, giving very much poor. <laughs> okay. Like it was rough, 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 rough. Um I remember everybody always telling me I was very strong and minded. I was very bullheaded. I came in hot. I was a fiery, like crack hot, like little cracker bug when I first came into education. Um, I was I was young, I was full of vigor. Uh I have I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder, you know? I was done with track and it was like, okay, I'll give this education thing a try. Like, huh, I only do it temporarily so I really figure out what I'm going to do with my life because I tried being a pre-K teacher um, that was short-lived, <laughs> a story for another time. Um, but in my job, I started off like, I'm here for the kids. Like, what? I was that kid in high school. I was bad. I felt misunderstood. Um, I was rough around the edges. So like, what's up? Even though I didn't go to public school, like, you know, I was working at a public school. So I had that like, oh, to me, that little roughness. Um, and I was willing to verbally get into an argument. I mean, I was about to say verbally fight, but I don't want to say that on here. Uh, I was willing to get into an argument for the sake of the kids with anybody and everybody. I mean, including administrators, because I was I didn't want to see kids get mistreated. I didn't feel like it was cool. I didn't feel like it was right. And I just wasn't going to stand for it. Like, period. Like, that's how I felt. Like, that's, that's truly, honestly, how I felt. Um, so I was an advocate for kids. I rode hard. And so much so, it got me recognized as like somebody on campus that like, man, she should not be at this lower level uh, on this campus. She needs to be at a higher level. She needs to do this. And everybody was always trying to push me to go back to school, get my master's so I can either get in the classroom or just get on the certified staff, like become a salary staff member and, you know, work my way up to, you know, district, da, 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 all that stuff, all that jazz. So when COVID happened, ironically, um, before COVID happened, I was like, you know what? Let me give it a try. I mean, I'm tired of being poor.
period. That was the motivation. For real, for real. And I was like, I can do this. Like somebody had told me that they didn't believe uh, a current coworker, actually still work for her, uh, told me that I would not be able to excel um, in district because of how I present and me and my my authentic self is not acceptable. You know, my hair was red. It was short. Um, I wore bamboo earrings. I was just, I'm that type of, I'm that girl, you know, I'm all un- Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. I'm unapologetically black in the workplace um, because I want to show, I want to represent for my kids and show them that they can be themselves even in a professional setting, you know? So she told me that and I said, all right, bet, going back to school. Uh, Plus I was like, ready, like, let's get this career going. I can see myself in education, like boom, boom, boom. Went to school, uh, then COVID happened, poo, you know? So school was tough, school was tough. Uh, we ain't going to talk about school today. School's tough. School's part of the reason why I stopped this podcast. So we're just going to move along. Um, but I got my master's and instantly applied for the position that I'm in now, which is a spy, which is I pre- I do prevention and intervention work. I work in behavior uh, at the school, school climate. I talk with kids for a living, get inside their heads, you know, build friendships, all that jazz. Um, I got the position, Right. The two previous spies are are still on campus with me. Shout out to Ruth and Branch. Uh, My homegirls, Powerpuff Girls, Trifecta. That's who we are. Um, They were on my interviewing board. Um, Everybody was so proud of the interview. Everybody told me I did so good. I did not believe I got the job. (laughs) Because my interview, I felt like went horrible. I stuttered, stammered, everything. It was just terrible. I don't know why all my confidence left. So everybody was so geeked up when they found out that I got the job. I mean, teachers that I had never knew that knew my name, (laughs) teachers that I thought like really hated me um, because they had said some things to my face or behind my back. Um, Everybody was so excited at my school for me to venture out into this new position, to be certified staff. I had deserved it, you know? That's what they were saying. I deserve it. I deserved it. They were emailing me, like, like finding me on campus on purpose and, like, just to gra- congratulate me, wanting to hug me, shake my hand. Like, it felt very celebrity-ish, and I loved it. Not even going to lie. I loved it, but I questioned it. I said, well, why is everybody so proud? Like, there's no way everybody really believes I deserve to be here. And last year was my first year in the position. Um, and I thought I was confident. I thought I was ready. But there came my good old friend, imposter syndrome. And I felt... like incapable, which again, I know I'm not by myself because about 70% of people experience imposter syndrome. Like that's just not the thing. It's not even a mental health condition, y'all. It's like, it's just a thought process, right? It's just that self-doubt. Um, it can be contributed to like, what else is it? Neuroticism? Is that what it is? Yeah, neuro 
neuroticism, which is categorized by a high level of anxiety, worry, self-doubt, and insecurity. That can a lot of things can contribute to imposter syndrome, first of all, because it's not a mental condition. A lot of things can contribute to it, like, like again, past failures. Um, and it's fleeting. You notice that I'm talking about different times in my life where I've experienced imposter syndrome. It's not something that can be cured. It's not something that, um, like you can just take a pill and boop, it's done. It's something that has to be worked through. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's, it's a, that's why it's a phenomenon, a phenomenon, a phenomenon. Yes. (laughs) Because it's, it's a thought process. It's something that's going on in, in, in your head. Um, environment can very much contribute to that. If if you have something that can trigger you from your childhood that can make you feel like failure is something um, that is always for you, you know? Like, if you had a childhood where you felt like you never were encouraged and you were an overachiever and you worked very hard to prove yourself to other people. No accomplishment is going to like feel good to you. So that's going to carry on into your adult life. And then you can experience imposter syndrome from, um, from time to time, you know? Um, and that's another thing. Usually imposter syndrome falls with people who are like really like self-efficient and really like high achievers. There's this constant, and that's funny. They constantly, well, I should say we, we we constantly work hard to reach our goals, but it's because we feel like we don't deserve to be there. Woo! Crazy. Huh. Huh. Yeah, so back to my job. Back to my job. Yeah, I felt like I didn't belong there. So much so, I cowered um, in talking to certain people. Um, I would hide in my office from time to time. And I can say this freely because my my principal knows. I've had a conversation with him. I let him know uh, what's up. Um, I used to hide in my office. I would still talk to kids, but I would only bring in like them in my room. Um, Sometimes from here to there, I would like hop into situations, but I would only be like, no, I'm only here because like, you know, it was just by chance I happened to be walking by and I saw a conflict happening and I was able to, you know, de-escalate it right then and there. Um, But I felt like I did not deserve my job. I felt like I did not deserve to be getting paid the money they were paying me because I wasn't doing anything, y'all. I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I felt like I wasn't contributing. I felt like I wasn't like I was not doing anything. Like I was not making an imprint. I felt like I wasn't half as good as my coworkers, um, um, Ruth and Branch, because they were the previous spots. And I also didn't have any direction. That's another thing. I didn't have any direction, so I didn't feel like I was doing the actual job and everything was by chance because I didn't have direction. You know? I can't talk more about that, but <laughs> I just didn't feel like I had direction. There weren't directives about how to do my job properly. It was one of the things like you really had to go in 
and figure it out from the ground up. Like you have to build the own foundation. And I'm a template type of girl. Give me a template and I promise you, I will still be creative. I will still blow your mind with my ideas, but I need a template. I need a template. I need to see an example, please. That's me. I need an example. I need an example. But, you know, it's funny enough because imposter syndrome takes you into procrastination, right? And you'll start to procrastinate. And it's not because it's a thrill. It's not because it's a thrill. Your procrastination is not a thrill because you just like to get things done at the last minute. And I'm talking to myself when I say this too. It's an excuse to fail. Procrastination is an excuse to fail. It's putting unnecessary and unnatural pressure on yourself to to, to reach an accomplishment just so you can have an excuse to fail and say, see, this is why I don't belong. See, I told you it was just a fluke. See, it proves your fraudulence. Crazy enough, I'm recording this podcast at 7.02 on Friday morning. And it's not because I didn't have time to record it. It's not because I didn't have the topic on hand. It's because if I don't get this out today, it's my own excuse to see you don't need to be doing this. See, you're not capable of being consistent and popping out this stuff. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. And I'm tired of draining myself. I'm tired of giving myself that excuse. And that's what I'm constantly working on right now. On my job and here. Instead of me always uh, uh, procrastinating, because I'm always going to get the job done, right? Even if I procrastinate, I'm going to get the job done because I'm a high achiever. That's what I do, right? Like even now, I'm going to get to work on time because I'm a high achiever. I just, I'm putting myself in this situation, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to do what I need to do. This is going to get out today. But a part of me feels like I don't deserve and I am a fraud. So I either work myself too hard to compensate for the fact that I feel like a fraud or I procrastinate and push myself to the limit and mentally exhaust myself to prove a point that I'll never prove. Because I belong where I'm at. I work hard. Think about that for yourself. You are where you are because you have worked for it. It is not by chance. It's not the luck of the draw. Don't let past failures and situations put those irrational thoughts in your head. Stop attacking yourself. As my girl Ruth would say, be nice to my friend. You're my friend. Be nice to yourself. Be nice to yourself. That's where I'm operating now. I'm I'm operating in a space of being nice to myself, giving myself grace, allowing myself to experience the moment and be proud of what I'm doing and to stop being scared. It takes courage. 
it takes courage to get through imposter syndrome. I can tell you that firsthand. It takes courage. It takes tenacity. It takes pushing the button. It takes stepping out on faith and knowing that you are great within yourself and you have to show that to the world. So that's how I know that this podcast will get this podcast episode will get out today. That's how I know that on my job, I do a great job. Them kids love me. That's how I know that all the experience that I had in track make me an amazing coach now because I let my kids know about how that big imposter can come up on them. And how they got to work hard mentally and physically to get where they need to be. So even though I might slip and slide back into my phenomenon, (laughs) I know deep down that I am not an imposter. I know I earned all this. I'm going to be successful. And even me can't stop me. (laughs) Okay, so I didn't get the episode out on Friday. But honestly, hear me out, y'all. I was in the middle of, like, finalizing some things at work. And work became... conversation for another day work became very hectic um in in like almost uh, um it was you know we just had to deal with something serious on campus so it just consumed the rest of our day and I really had to de-escalate myself um de-escalate my student de-escalate um like help de-escalate um I'm one of a trusted co-worker of mine um because all of us were putting into a real rough situation but, like, I'm getting it out today. It's Saturday. I don't mind saying it. I'm still pushing it out. And that's the accomplishment. The accomplishment is that I do not think I'm a failure. I feel great. And I'm glad that I took my time to even push it out today. I have so much stuff coming for you guys in the next coming weeks. Next Friday is my birthday. So I cannot wait to drop that episode. That episode means a lot to me. Um, I'm just very grateful for everybody that tunes in. Please share the podcast, leave a review, um, uh, like, subscribe, share. Let's spread the word. We're on so many platforms. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, probably going to start a blog with this podcast soon. I don't know. I just want to make sure I do everything I can to get the information and get the things out there so my community feels seen. So we can have the conversations and feel like we're progressing forward. You know what I'm saying? If you're like, I'm not a podcast person. I don't know how to like tell people how to listen to podcasts. Tell them they can listen to it in their car, a long drive, as they're at work, um, as they're cleaning, all that stuff like that. We want to get the message out there because I really do believe, guys, that our mind is our 
business and it should be our business and nobody's going to take care of it the way we will. Okay. If you ain't got you, who do? You know what I'm saying? So just like, share, subscribe, share the message. I love you guys so much. Every week, I am grateful for you guys. And I thank you for entrusting me with giving you information and having good conversation. With that being said, I love you. Protect your magic. Um, You got this, baby. You got this. Life is hard, but we got this. Okay? You are not alone. You are loved. And remember, mind your business because your mind should forever be your business okay i'm done (laughs) see you next week